Oh, sorry. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Distracted. By the way, uh, for all, well, for all of you who are well wondering, oh, Jordan looks very nice in a scarf. Well, yes, scarf season is in full effect here. Yeah, it's a frosty 78 degrees outside. <laughs> is it 78? Something now? like that, yeah. It's 66. It's 67. <laughs> it's chewy for us Southern California folk. Yeah. Hey, yeah. do you guys believe in style over function? In fashion over function? Uh, I do, for the most part. To I'm, an I'm not a big fashion guy. To an extent. You got some swag, Mike. Uh, I, the only thing about fashion that I really am particular about is a chick's shoes. Hmm. If they wear bad shoes, I'm like, e. yeah. Bad, bad how? Uh, As like, in like their choice in shoes and how they wear them. Hmm. Like, you know, there's two, two people, like I'm all into Air Maxes, right? Mm-hmm. Two girls can wear be wearing the same exact Air Maxes, but if they don't know how to wear them right, uh, the, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, what's, what's the word? It's a, um, it's a deal breaker for me. Hmm. Wait, so how do you wear those shoes incorrect? Well, it's the way the pants are. If you, you know, how it's like some some people know how to wear them with the, you know, laces knotted. Some, you know, know how to lace it so that you don't have to make uh, the knot. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether you wear like capri or, or how you wear them with your sweats, whether they're overlapping your tongue or under the tongue and all that. I see. If they know how to make it look cool, then I'm all about it. Yeah. Or if they wear, you know, it's, but it's not just Air Max. It's like if they're choice in shoes. I'm like, I don't dig like the strappy Roman looking shoes. I hate like those. Gladiator. Gladiator, I yeah. Hate, <laughs> I hate those with a passion. Yeah. Yeah. God. So like, you know, yeah, it's, it's shoe choice for, for me is, uh, is, is big. Yeah. There's some. Are we w- talking about like for ourselves or for like other people? Uh Screw it. Both. <laughs> well, I mean, for myself, to an extent, yes, because I don't like being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, for example, my jean choices, all my jeans have to have stretched denim in them. Yeah. I don't have the freaking smallest legs because nah. I actually squat. Leg day. But, you know, uh, so I ain't fitting these in, like, jeans that don't stretch yeah. at all. And I ain't about walking around when it's, like, 90 degrees outside in that summer heat and I'm starting to sweat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and things are, like, you know, it's not comfortable. Um, so to an extent, I feel like I've been able to find a pretty good balance in, like, a lot of the uh, my style choices mm-hmm. to be functional but still trendy. Yeah, I feel you. And for other people... Uh, I mean, well, yeah, I think if like when it comes to like females, if that's what we're <laughs> going to be talking about, I mean, yeah, there are certain things that I look for. Um, but uh, again, everybody has their own opinions. Yeah. And just, yeah. What they like. And what Thank they you. What's like. a deal breaker as far as fashion goes for, for a girl? For me? Yeah. Oh man, why you got to put me on the spot <laughs> like that, dude? <laughs> um, for fashion? Dude, I don't even know. Couldn't tell you off the top of my head right now. Come on, there has to be something. Well, something that's just so hilarious. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks? What yeah. are those? Those uh, those leather sandals. Leather sandals. Birkenstocks. I got to look what? this up. I live under a rock, Mike. Birkenstocks. Yeah, but those things are like, yeah, those are, yeah. Those are the, like, that was in Crocs. The original, what are those? I was just about to, like, talk about Crocs. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Oh, yeah, these are horrible. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, Crocs. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, I've always. You know, 
sorry. I was just thinking like what would be a real deal breaker for me is if a girl's like wearing like some crazy high heels just like for no reason. I and like the crazy thing is I've seen it. Like mm-hmm. and I feel like these are the same girls that have like the uh designer bags that go, go mm-hmm. everywhere and just like really like put it out there like they're overly sized and I don't really care. I don't really care for that. It's kind of like trying too hard. There's a lot of weird fashions coming out of like, you know, like K-pop culture, I feel, and in like the Japanese culture. Yeah. And then and then I'll see see them over here while rocking it. And and like I'm like, hmm, well y'all have an interesting set, like style of swag yeah. that yeah. I don't particularly get yeah. right now. I mean, like for me, you you guys have been around me long enough to know that my personal style is very minimalistic. I don't really care too much for a lot of logos. So I feel like if a female in particular or anyone really is rocking like a big name brand has a big like the best example I could give is anytime I see like guys like wear like the Louis Vuitton like drivers and they have the big LV initials like all right, dude. Like all right. Yeah, because because you know, okay. So you're paying nine thousand bucks for for some a Louis Vuitton shirt or something like that. It's a stupid buy because it's so blaringly obvious that 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 like the logos are out there that you can't well wear it again and again and again because people they'll be able to call Hugh out and say and say that you don't have enough clothes because you're still well wearing that same shirt. You know. You know what it is for me more so. It's kind of like uh, so I, the best ex- example I can kind of relate this to is like because we we lift. So when you achieve a certain speak yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're gonna you're gonna nah, be Mike able- is low key strong. People don't even know. <laughs> Mike says he's got that retard. <laughs> but I mean, like you'll you'll get it too. It's like I think when you get to a certain point, like you have the the size. People can just tell. People mm-hmm. can tell, like, oh man, that guy's like big. He can lift, or he's strong, whatever. People just tell. You don't have to wear a cutoff or anything like that. You could be in like a looser shirt, and people just know. So I kind of view like the my personal fashion sense or or style is to be kind of the same way. Like you don't got to be spending like crazy absurd amount on things and just say like, hey, I got to LV this and LV that or Gucci this and what you know Tom Ford this. I I don't know. I I'm very like minimal to you know a lot of what I go after. I don't feel the need to have to put it out there and say, look what I got. Yeah. People just know. Hmm. It's it's part of like the overall presence of yourself, I think, when you're talking about like class and, and you know. Right. That's just my opinion of it though. And with those It's you- almost like uh how I see it is you're uh trying a little bit too hard and it goes to like a self esteem thing where like you have to present like well, how Well like you're peacocking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then and then you know if it's too extravagant, I feel like you know it's exposing some type of insecurity. And yeah, yeah that's the word I'm looking yeah. for is insecurity. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean and some people are like sharks and they could smell that blood from a mile away. Yeah. I sure as hell can. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's just I mean again, that's just my personal opinion and how it relates to my personal like style, I suppose. Yeah. But I'm a damn hypocrite because I also have an outlandish Dolce and Gabbana backpack, so <laughs> I didn't want to bring that one up, but yeah, Dolce and Gabbana backpack yeah. of, all, of all things with a big but, old but logo that's all tagged up. That's but that's probably on the most outlandish thing that I own. 
Yeah, but you know what? For more and more I see it, for more and more practical it becomes to me because because it's like, you know, I feel like for those types types of items, it's okay to go out calendish on those. Like okay, like me for example, I have have um have a Louis Vuitton well wallet. Which which I didn't buy, thank God. It was a gift, but it cost a lot of money. But it's not something that you see see out there as far as you know on my figure. And so if I pull it out, you know, it's cool, but it's not out there all the time. Yeah, you know, it's a little so, bit more low key. Type. Exactly. And so like, and, and it's so like, pra- a it's practical. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like a backpack or some luggage. You know. Yeah. Damn. Thanks, Mike. Mike was secretly judging me this whole time. <laughs> not like no, saying I anything. You know, I was just like, like, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, I had, but I didn't want to put you on front street. And I had that for, well, like, yeah, like, and you've had that for months too. Yeah. So yeah, and so he's been judging you for months. No, no. The thing is, is like he's had it for months. You know, I know people who would have something like that and then change it out every other week. Yeah, or but something. the thing oh, is, I'm, yeah. u- but like, like I'm actually legitimately using this yeah, thing and yeah. like beating it because I don't really. I mean, it's nice, but. Like this is a material thing, dude. You gotta use it for what it's yeah. made for. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's like okay, I'll, I do a lot of photography, and it's, and it's having like the nicest camera bag. You want it because it's you know it, it's functional, and when it's when it's just a shirt, it's different. Yeah, but when it's a backpack that it, that actually has the right pockets and 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 the right kind of zippers that you like and You're it's okay comfortable, yeah. spending a little bit yeah. more for like the utility of it. I guess in this case of my backpack, it's a little bit more of a fashion piece. Dude, you but know, like, I still use it for like, I mean, you guys see me walk in with it like every day. Yeah, you like know? wallets, for example. Like you, you bring up your LV wallet; it was a gift. But I love a wallet that's super functional for what I use it for. Right. Right. And I went through hundreds, like not hundreds, maybe like, you know, like a 20 wallets before I found one I really liked. And it ended up being the more expensive one that out of the, the lot. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's okay to spend, even if it is a name brand, if it works and for you and it does the function that you want it to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same with shoes. Like shoes, if, you know, I'm, I'm willing to spend more money on shoes if they're more comfortable than, the last, uh, you know, something else. Or I'm willing to spend really cheap on shoes if they're more comfortable than than something else, as long as they look good. Well, it kind of goes to like that saying of like you you get what you pay for. Type. Yeah, but I think mm-hmm. there's certain things where you just kind of have to. Yeah, right. Yeah. Where it does make sense to invest in, and it might be a name brand, and some other people might look at it and be like, "Oh, you're just paying for the name." Well, I mean, yeah, partially, but, but yeah. there's a reason. Yeah, I feel at the end of the day too, you know, so. But again, that's just my opinion. What I what I believe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I mean, hell. I mean, well, let's be honest. You know, if I was at a point in life as to where I could flex for no reason other than just to flex, oh, I definitely would. But from a practical standpoint, you know, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do love love those like time times as to where I do buy something that is expensive, and and it lives up to its price, mm. like. Well, last month I had to buy a couple pairs of jeans, and, and let me just tell you, I spent like three hundred bucks <laughs> on these, on two pairs of jeans, and I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe I spent this much money on jeans. But like, I could do spin kicks in them, bro. Yeah, <laughs> um, I could do spin kicks in them, and they look immaculate, and what? and I'm like, wow, all right. Put them on, you become a kung fu master. <laughs> Low key, <laughs> let me get at that man. Low key, <laughs> hey, low key, I uh, you know I don't like like to talk about it, but uh, I'll talk about it off air with you. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's nice, it's nice. 
Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, I so uh, I guess that we agree that um, there is a well middle ground of fashion and function. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think so. Swag. <laughs> Damn guys. So we are on uh, episode fifteen. Of the JadaCast podcast. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's crazy, man. I feel like I'll still be saying that on like episode 300. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. It's like every every episode we're like, wow, we're still on? We're still doing this? (laughs) (laughs) But it's fun. I like it. Yeah. It's a nice break in the day. For not only that, I think uh, this podcast has is really rewarding for me because I'm not a very good public speaker. I'm not a very good person i to mike is being about, humble no no right no there, but i'm serious well because i've seen seen him seen him at a few presentations he's he's great no well he's great you know it's it helps me to be more relaxed when i do do these mm. presentations because you know in the when you know my position i do have to do quite a few presentations to some you know some pretty high level people and um to tell you the truth, being in front of the camera is just as intimidating as being in front of one of those high-powered people. You know, the only difference is you're not going to be asked questions after. You know, but as long as you know your stuff, you know, you should be fine. But the hardest part about doing a presentation is, uh, you know, coming up with all the verbiage that you're going to be talking about, all the things you want to say, and doing it eloquently. And you can prepare for a presentation, but for this, we go, we, we wing it. Yeah. So this helps because this when when we do go in front of these uh these people and do presentations, then they ask questions, then it turns into like like you know, top of the head mode where you just have to start. It's almost like rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. This is and it and it helps a lot. Hmm. And I, I and it's super rewarding and it's I and thank you for putting this together because I think it's it's uh it's a really good tool for us to grow. Not only as a company, but as individuals as well. Oh, I am, and I appreciate it. Well, like um, I always say, say, say thank you because you know if I didn't have you, Daryl or Brian, I wouldn't have anything. So yeah, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I can't do this by myself. (laughs) I'm just. I'm the damn host, and I stutter. (laughs) No, but you know what? That's the thing. You know, I think that's. Another way it's, it's, you know, maybe I'm not sure I'm not, I'm just kind of speaking from what I see from your perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a good way for you to, to attack that, that, that stuttering problem. Oh yeah. Even oh, yeah. though you're, you're embracing it, but then you're owning it. Yes. Definitely. Which is awesome. You yeah. Know, I think that's strong. It's, it shows the, the strong personality you have because you're taking what you have and, and, you know, showing that it doesn't matter because and you can host the show. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that's a nice, yeah, well, that's a nice, well, point of view too. And like for me personally, you know, it's interesting because even though I do have a stuttering problem, I've actually enjoyed public speaking on many occasions, you Mm -hmm. know, um, in high school and college, actually, I had, 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 had to do a lot of public speaking. Um, um, well, actually in the eighth grade, I was actually our school's president. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I had had to give had to give a public speech to seven hundred students and wow. and dude, I nailed it. And it was so I feel so bad for showing this, but like so my opponent at the time, and this was was back in two thousand seven or, or well, 2007 or 2008, my closing line of my speech was um, you know, I'm wrapping it up and the person is there, is there in front of me who I have to go against. And I say, everyone, I want you to understand that a vote for this person 
XX name is like a vote for George Bush. <laughs> and 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 back then everybody hated George Bush <laughs> yeah. because of just, you know, everything. And the whole freaking auditorium erupted. Mm. Erupted for like five minutes. And and <laughs> and I just felt like, you like know, all you the power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the power. You know, I felt like Thanos as soon as he got yeah. all six infinity stones, you oh, know. Man. But yeah, but just you know, to go back to I love to public speak, even though I do have a stuttering problem. But sometimes when I am public speaking, it like you know, it disappears. Yeah. So yeah. It's a it's fun to put yourself out there and to get uncomfortable, but but learn how to be comfortable while being uncomfortable. So I, I think I have, I have a story that's kind of in contrast to what you, your story was. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons why I am a little bit uh, not shy about public speaking, but it's just like I have this weird, like timid feeling whenever I talk in front of people. It's because back in, in when I was uh, just out of elementary school going to junior high for the first time, seventh grade. Um, I had to do a, a a speech in front of a class, and it wasn't a lot of people, maybe forty people, right? Mm -hmm. And I was killing it. And at the end, you know, when I said my thank you, I said thank you, and a snot just dropped, <laughs> and I slurped it, and I slurped, I slurped it right back up as fast as I could. Ooh. And this was in front of everyone. I was just shocked. I was like, <laughs> and that's like in the back of my head every time I stop, I talk. In mm. front of people, so it's kind of one of those things that, like, you know, it just kind of affected traumatized me. Traumatized you. the whole. Like, so, yeah, that's one of the things <laughs> that I had to get over. And was it like a long strand? And Dude, it hit my bottom lip. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, this couldn't have happened to a better person. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. This is the first time I'm hearing about yeah. it. This is the first time talking about it, actually. Damn. Pod pad confessions. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's 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 yeah, that's a, a traumatizing experience I had back when I was uh, in seventh grade talking in front of people. Yeah, man. I, I don't think I've ever had a. I don't know. I've never really had a. Well, dang, dude! I just heard that you killed it at a your alma mater. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I mean. <laughs> nah, just, it was fun it was fun um i mean the professor came up to me at the end of me he was like dude you can really talk and i was like well too I, much I, <laughs> I think so because i took up like the whole damn class uh but no i i told him i mean it's part of the job yeah it's part of yeah. the profession and and being able to uh, give proper presentations, to be able to public speak, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So, uh, and, you know, like yeah. after doing it for a few times, it becomes like, it's almost like regurgitating. Yeah. Like the same thing. I uh, just. But then you just modify it every time, just do it a little bit different every time you go up. And yeah. You know, um, do you think this pod helped you? Um, I, 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 oh, for sure. I mean, I think when it comes to like a lot of what we do for the buyer meetings, mm -hmm. the or any licensor meetings and things like that, it's it's good. Like I said, rehearsal for for you know yeah. a lot of those meetings. Um, but in the uh, the talk for the class at uh, at my alma mater at Cal Poly, it was just more Pomona. Kinda, not San Luis. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean well, Southern California people. Yeah. So it's like 
you know, you kind of talk about a little bit about yourself and then mm-hmm. the, the company and then, you know, your position, what you do, what you're responsible for. So um, I look at it as at the end of the day, I'm really talking about what I already know. So, though, so, did you in this talk with your alma mater, did you mention the podcast? Yeah. Oh, did you mention me? <laughs> you were the highlight. You were the highlight. Mike had a little twinkle in his eye. <laughs> and did you mention me? <laughs> I had one slide dedicated to me. <laughs> I had one slide dedicated to the Jada cast and it was a clip that Jordan had put together and it actually features you talking about um, like what we look for in the creation of our product. Uh, yeah, uh, see? Okay. Give me a shout out. Just kidding. <laughs> they know they were there. Yeah. So. And that shout out actually promoted a nice well, little spike. Spike to the Jada cast. Oh, really? so, uh, oh yeah. yeah oh, so that's cool. Thank you I used that. it as a shameless plug opportunity oh, too. Yeah. I mean, you're in marketing. You got to look for those opportunities. Yeah. So, I mean, but when it comes down to like the presentation and public speaking aspect of it, um, I think if at the end of the day you're confident and you know what you're going to be talking about. And for me, at least in that presentation, it's talking about the company and yourself. Yeah. Like there's really, I don't feel any reason to be nervous because you already know yeah, yeah. what you're going to be talking about. So, You know what's also cool about this podcast though? It's like because it's recorded, we get to re-listen to it. And then you can, kind of, it's kind of like watching tape if you're in sports, yes. yeah. you know, or watching your, your golf swing recorded so you can see where your, where your, where your faults are. And so you can change them and, and fix them yes. for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, personally speaking, I think that, that for me, because, because I have to go back, back and to edit these, you know, mm-hmm. and so, and so I'll listen to a sentence a million times, mm-hmm. you know, just chopping it up and everything. And I think that, that for me personally, the biggest improvement I'm still trying to make is, um, is like, you know, as a host, I feel like you have to get to, to the point, but also try, try to make sure that you're not falling in love with the sound of your own voice, you know, put your ego aside and just say what you got to say quickly and let the actual professionals say what they will say what they have to say, you know? And so, and so for me, I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to sharpen it up a little bit more for me. Oh no! So, I mean, yeah. and I think as and just as it's after it started, I think we've seen the growth, and I think all of us have changed, like the way we. I remember the first one; we were just kind of nervous. We're all like, uh, "What do we talk about?" What's well, we, our first one? Yeah. I think that's that's normal. We had cliff notes on what yeah. we wanted to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now we're just wing it. We just we just go out there and you know and just to start uh, talking, and and I think it comes out pretty cool. And see, it feels more natural too because now we're just talking more freely yes um and it doesn't look sound scripted because it isn't you know no no and i I just want to make sure that everyone knows that that you know we're just talking off the top of our heads we have no idea what the topics that jordan's going to be coming up with um and we just like kind of flow from there yeah we're more comfortable we've definitely found our flow um as far as how you know the jada cast is is presented and and things like that so but that's everything that we knew would come in time yeah um so it's it's been fun man yeah. it's been it's been great yeah. um we recorded in vegas last week and my wife was watching and she says you guys like turn on a switch when you guys started recording in and we we seem different from when we were just talking prior to the camera being turned on. Yeah. Oh, we have to. Yeah. And, it's, to. and she said it's just like it was it was odd because you're the same people, but in all of a sudden the 
the room just kind of lifted. It felt more energetic you know, as soon as you guys started recording. Yeah, and you know what I kind of equate that to is like, um, so like when you're around people that you're comfortable with, it's very easy to be, uh, you fall into this trap of comfortability mm -hmm. where because you guys already know each other, you're just like, really really chill yeah um but then when you get up and to do like a presentation in front of everybody yeah. you have to you get into like this state of mind where you have to rise and elevate yourself and and, and to that kind of what you were saying is just like turn it on yeah right yeah. you kind of have to flip that switch yeah um i still remember like before we even filmed that podcast at the airbnb in vegas we were all so tired yeah, yeah. we were all like oh yeah. man we got to film a podcast and then the podcast comes on we're like hey <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah like so um, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, uh, I mean, a lot of it, you know, a lot goes into it, but like I said, I think we've been able to find like our, our, our groove when it comes to this thing. And it's like I said, man, it's been, it's been fun. And I, I think also that that speaks, you know, what you were mentioning is it speaks to the point when you do presentations in front of like uh, an audience or a, a, a big customer or a client you need to make sure that they feel the excitement that you're feeling. Yeah, to give know? off that energy, right? Yeah. And now, Jesus, my yeah. phone. <laughs> so popular. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like you're responsible for communicating or at least kind of giving off this this good vibe, yeah. this good yes. energy, right? Yeah. So like in the presentation of Cal Poly, I asked you guys at the end, hey, did I make it seem very glamorous? <laughs> because right. part oh. of it also is like the energy that you're able to give off of like look how cool my job is you yeah. guys are on the right career track if right. this is what you want to be doing or when you should be presenting how exciting it is yeah and if you're presenting a product to a, a, a buyer you want to get them excited about it and you know if, if you're kind of lethargic and talking about <clears throat> oh yeah this is pretty cool you know this you have to th that's not selling it yeah, your energy helps sell the product. You have yes. to show that you're enthusiastic about it. Yeah, um, that's one of the things that that you have to learn how to do. And this is one of the things that this podcast is really teaching us. Yes, yeah. yeah. From a business standpoint, you know, I've read read a lot of great CEOs say say like you know, I don't buy a business; I buy people. You know, mm -hmm. and what I always mean mean by that is that. You know, I'm buying personalities. I'm buying energy. Yeah. You know, I don't care about your product. I care about who is behind that product. Yeah. Because that is so much more important. And then after that, everything else follows. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Well, that was a good icebreaker. <laughs> that was a good icebreaker. One more thing too, too, on public speaking. Something I've noticed too is that, you know, is that I feel like when you're up there talking and the audience is listening, I feel like deep down they they're hoping that you nail it too mm -hmm. you know i don't think think that like anybody in the audience really wants to laugh or see anybody fail at public speaking because because you know it's one of like you know i think it's like the top two two human fears yeah. that like every single human being has yeah and so i feel like they're they're um they're able to sort of empathize yeah. with the person up there and they're like man if i was up there i would hate it if somebody started to laugh at me or something like well, that. Well, sure know? that's yeah. what i think about well yeah. when, when you're in the audience and someone's crashing at a at a presentation you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. No one wants that feel that uncomfortable feeling, even if you're just in the audience. Yeah. So you're rooting for these people to do a good job because you want to be entertained, you want to be informed, you want to you want to be interested in what they have to say. But if they're 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 failing at it, you don't 
want to keep going with it. It just feels makes you feel really weird and uncomfortable, and you just want to have it done. Yeah, and I've actually seen seen presentations like you know crash mm-hmm. and like the crowd actually like starts clapping and like trying to, to try give to, some positive yeah. reinforcement yeah. and then yeah. i see that i mean i'm like okay well there's still yeah. some hope for yeah. for yeah. for mankind you know and i and i think if if you have that mentality though that you go in and seeing knowing that people want you to succeed then it's a little bit easier because you you know it's not people wanting you to fail i yeah. think more people want you to succeed than fail it's nice yeah and it's nice to know that that they're going to be rooting for you yeah Sure. Well, humans are awesome sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So for all of the, uh, so so we know what you guys are here for. It's not just just our three beautiful faces, but uh, it's also for the well for the awesome cars that we are able to bring t- t- to y'all. So um, so what do we have on the table here, guys? <laughs> My favorite cars. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, our Honda Civic Type R hatchback. A, hatchback, yeah. Mm, EK. Hatchback. EK. Okay. Yep. So why are these so special? Well, for one, um, VTEC, yo. <laughs> yeah. hey. for, for as long, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned this a lot. I've been at Jada for a long time. Uh, we haven't had the Honda license for many many years yeah and um our first honda license was actually the uh s2000 and and the nsx mm-hmm. and so we are expanding on that by releasing the the, the honda civic so it's mm-hmm. it's exciting because this is my era that i grew up one in and all the kids uh that were starting to drive at 16 years of age this is the car that they wanted because it was obtainable it was affordable there was a lot of aftermarket parts um and you know i think we really captured that that look of how they were fixing up these cars back when I was growing up. It's clean. I yeah. like it. Yeah. We got the six spoke uh deep wheels. Um, you know, there's uh it's it's just yeah, the red seats. I mean, I think it looks super clean because it's not overly done, not a crazy body kit. Um, it's just exactly how you would see it on the streets. Okay. Yeah. And so and so as far as as like, you know, any type of customizable features that that this car will have what could you go into that maybe well um one of the things that we do here is that you know we we like to play with the toys that we create also so um we'll do our own wheel swaps here because we'd like to see what it'd look like not only with the the type of wheel but also the color um so on this white one uh this white uh honda civic on the other side i put two uh four spoke wheels but in red uh, because one of my friends had a, a white Civic just like it, with lowered with a red rim with chrome lip, and that's what I wanted to see what it looked like. Because I loved that car, just that look, because it was like really true JDM style that I I felt, mm-hmm. um, and it just looked looked awesome. So I just wanted to kind of mimic that just to see what it looks like. So maybe we would re- we would release something similar in the future. Hmm. It's like Photoshop in real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know we because ha- we have access to all the wheels that we've created in the past, um, even new wheels that we're creating for the future. We have some of those uh, samples here, and we get to play around with uh, fitment and and wheel choices for all the different cars and see what works. It's a lot. Of, yeah. But then the thing is, is also is there's some wheels that are specific to certain cars that you shouldn't be putting on other cars. Like there's a Shelby wheel, you wouldn't want to put a Chevy Shelby wheel on a Camaro, although one did get out. 
<laughs> or something like that. I don't know. There was there was a there was a, a, a the wrong the a, a Ford wheel that went on a Chevy, I think, or vice versa. That wasn't supposed to happen, and I don't know. I think it was a mix-up inside the factory somewhere. Mm. Those things happen. Yeah, those things happen, but they're out there. I mean, yeah. it's it it's it's happened in the past. Okay, chase car alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've been uh, having having a few people actually send us on Instagram some pictures of some chases that that they've been been finding. I'm like, hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's cool. We like hearing about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, well, somebody had a five ten. With some blue rims on it, I'm like blue rims, eh? How do, it wasn't well, con- uh, someone that custom? Nah, no, no. Nah, like he had it in a box and everything. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, how did that happen? That's weird. Yeah, it's, it's it's really weird. Because sometimes, well, I I've seen this happen a lot. Um, where someone buys something from the store, they'll swap the car out, or they want just the rims, and they swap the rims out, and then they they Back. return it to the store. And then get their money back. Now they got the rims that they really wanted. Oh, that's some scumbag stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty shady stuff. But yeah, I've seen that happen. I've seen like the worst I've seen was like a a Hot Wheel in a Jada package. That was what? that was yeah, yeah. It happens. All right. Yeah. Damn, how low can you go? Yeah, because you they, you know they know that like these big box uh, stores don't really know a lot about the product that they're returning. So, you know, they take advantage of that. Yeah. And that's pretty shady. That's messed up. Well, for, well, you know, I don't think that any of our fans are doing stuff like that because y'all are the real MVPs. But, right. uh, but <laughs> for, but for anybody out there who would just know that, uh, <laughs> whatever you believe in, God, Zeus, I don't know, but uh, you will have have a lightning bolt coming <laughs> your way someday, somehow. It's coming. Karma. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, especially, you know, I don't want to name any other what companies, but you know, but but don't be be putting their stuff inside of our boxes. <laughs> you know, I won't say it. Yeah. Hmm. That's, That's funny. Yeah. But yeah. It happens. It's hmm. crazy. Um. Okay. So. So we've spoken about this in the past before, but um, but you know, I think I'm a little bit of a better host now, and so maybe I could ask what better questions to get to deeper answers. So Mike and Daryl too, but Mike in a step by step guide. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's kind of a product. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm here for the ride. Hey. <laughs> So in a step-by-step guide, you know, I'm talking like like from detail to detail, if you can. Educate everybody on how on how you know a highly coveted car gets created. I'm talking all the way from from you know, be like, hey guys, so we're going to make this all the way to the 3D printing, all the way to you know the licensing and and stuff like that, all the way to all right, here it is. We'll go buy it at Target or Walmart or mm-hmm. whoever, you know. So yeah. so like from and so pretty much. From like that single-celled organism all the way to a fully grown grown human, you know. Yeah. What is that process like? So we, um, you know, we we have our JDM tuners line. We have our Just Trucks, Big Time Muscle, <clears throat> Hyperchargers, and you know, Fast and Furious. So whenever we uh, start developing a product, we look at these brands and we start to talking about like, what casting should we bring? What what new vehicle should we bring into these lines? Right. So let's say, for example, the Civic, um, you know, we have the, the Honda license now. A Honda is a big player in the, the custom scene. 
especially in the JDM scene, why don't we do a Civic? So we mull around and talk about uh, which Civic we want to do. You know, there's there's the 92s, there's the, the even older ones, there's the new Honda Civics that are out now. Where do we want to go? And, you know, we just kind of mull around and we start debating whether or not, you know, which one we should do and we vote on it or whatever. Once we figure it out, then we say, hey, this is what we want to do. We hand it over to licensing to try to get that vehicle licensed so we can recreate it in diecast form or RC form. So they, once we get the okay from the, the car manufacturer, then we ask them either for CAD data or we draw it ourselves in, um, in 2D. We call it an orthographic where we do the front, the side, the top, the back, the bottom. We, we uh, detail out the engine. We detailed out the interior. And from there, we get, take that and send it over to our 3D department, which will then put it into a digital 3D form. Yes. That digital 3D form comes back to us. And we send it out to the licensor, in the case, this case Honda, and they'll look it over, tell us if there's anything wrong with the, the 3D file, with the design, uh, the wing's too big, the hood is too long, uh, this window is too short. Uh, they, they give us all these this feedback. And uh, they approve it, disapprove it, give us comments. We you know change it up until everyone's happy with it. From that point, we turn that 3D into a... A form that that you can hold. Uh, we usually call it the clay, mm-hmm. uh, but now in today's with the today's technology, it's not made out of clay anymore. It's uh, a 3D print, um, and it, we can go really low resolution, which means it's like just a lot of like it just looks really messy. It just you just get a kind of basic idea of what the shape is, or we can go super high res where it looks like almost a finished product, just not polished. That has to then also go to uh, to the licensor, which is Honda. And they have to look that over, make sure everything looks good. Because in 3D form, when you're ho- when you're holding it in your hand, it's much different from a flat 2D 3D file. If you know what I'm saying, like you know, when it's on screen, it looks different from when you're actually holding it in your hand. Yeah, like you know, the tangibility. Yeah, what makes everything different? Oh yeah, yeah. Because also there's like there's perspective problems in the 3D files that you can't really tell how big wheels are and all this stuff. So, yes. Um, from there. If once that's approved, then we go into what's called a hand sample, which is basically a full, it's exactly the same as the final form, but done all in plastic. Mm-hmm. So it has the opening doors, it has the hood opening, it has the engine details, it has the motor details, just not painted. It's all colored either gray or or whatever color the factory decides to make it. And then we go through that. Make sure all the fitment's correct, like the doors, door jams are, are nice and tight, the uh, hinges work right, um, all the details are correct. And that, again, will go over to Honda and they'll approve it and then get it back to us. And then from there, we do a the the first die-cast version, which is called the first shot. And then that one's, again, not painted, but it's actually all the die-cast pieces are going to be die-cast. And it looks very similar to what the final product will be, just not painted. Yes. And then that gets approved. Once that's approved, then we go into production. And then we receive what's called a PPS, pre-production sample, which is, um, you know, it's kind of the first off the the the, the product line. Once it's done, that's done. This is like a, a, a copy of it before we actually go into mass production of the product. And that's sent again to to Honda for them to approve. And once that's approved, then we go into mass production. And that's 
basically the lifeline of a product. And that whole timeline is about six to nine months. Six to nine months, eh? Yep. Wow. Well, that's a lot of shit. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of like like waiting around in between for um, you know approvals because a, the approval part can take a long time because you know there might be a lot of little things. And what tends to happen is you send it over. The or you know even when the 3D department sends it to us, we make comments and we send it back, and then they send it back to us um, updated. We may notice more things that are wrong. You know we don't notice everything in in the first go. Typically, we try to notice as much as we can, but you know sometimes it takes a change in one other part to reveal the the issue in the second part. Mm, um, so it happens a lot. So there's a lot of back and forth during this approval process. Mm-hmm. Okay, but could you name name maybe a specific car as to where it was very tough, you know, to get it through? Oh man, um, there's there. Well, typically the uh, the cars that have also an entertainment license attached to it mm-hmm. is going to be difficult because not only do you have the car manufacturer, you got the theatrical department, like uh, you know, say a, a Warner Brothers or a Universal having to approve it. But it's not only the theatrical department; it's also their their product development or, or consumer product department that has to approve it as well. So there's three layers of approvals that have to, you have to go through, not just one. Damn. So uh, and and there's so much. It's like colors and and you know, is it the is it, are the rims the right size? Is the are is there you know there, there's so much that you have to pay attention to. Are the logos in the right spot? You know, when it's an entertainment license. Is the license plate the correct? You have the correct numbers. Um, it, it's 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 really crazy. It gets it gets really involved. Damn. And so some rings of fire, to, like you know, to, to jump through pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, it's pretty dope though. It's 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 a it's a fun process, you know. Because and imagine we're not only doing one of these. At, at, there's probably about we're probably working about 20, 30 different products at the same time, and this is all happening constantly throughout the year. So every at you know at any one time there's at least 30 40 um, vehicles being approved at different stages throughout the year just from the vehicle department. Mm-hmm. And then you know if if you go into our figural department there's even more because each figure in the nano figs line and each figure in the 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 nano or the the the, the metal figs line they all have to go maybe to different departments. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff flowing through back and forth. I mean, then especially if you're starting to have to deal with like you know, like the likeness of a character. Oh you yeah, know, like you know, like, yeah. like for example, if we made made a bunch of uh, we made a bunch of like you know Henry Cavill, yeah, well, well Superman, yeah. Oh wait, he's not not Superman anymore. Right, right, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, so that's that must be that's, a that's you know, I don't know if we want to talk about this too much, but like for example, when we we released the NBA stuff. Mm. It's like it's really hard to do in uh, you know sports because when we do figures for sports, that athlete may not be playing for the same team by the time it's released because it does take nine months to get out. Yeah. So if they're not, then that that athlete is is obsolete in that um, in that outfit. And I don't care. If, you know, usually people say, "Oh, that's more collectible." Mm, typically, not. You're not going to sell a lot of that product because that's not the team. You know, either the the team that he left is pissed off that they left mm-hmm. or nobody wants to buy. They want to buy what, what the new team that he's on. And the entire fan base is pissed off with yeah. the guy he left too. Yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And so, and so from a marketing standpoint, how do you market? You're like, Hey, uh, so 
So we're going to be selling yeah. you with this guy in this jersey, even yeah. though like yeah. even though he doesn't play for us anymore. And also being, <laughs> doing sports, it's a regional thing. You know, not everyone like if you're going to do something uh, uh, a Boston Celtics figure, right? You're not going to sell that in L.A. No L.A. person's going to buy a Boston Celtics uh, yeah, yeah. You know, figure. Right? Yeah. You, you, you're only going to be able to sell that in in Boston mm. or in or around Boston. It's pretty intricate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's why sports is really, really difficult to get into. Interesting. Hmm. Well, um, and so, and so, in the earlier process of of even choosing which cars or figures to do, you know, um, so that's all done done internally, or is that or is that also done done with like you know, the licensors giving like you know the feedback of what they would like to see as well. Entertainment licensors tell us what they want to see because they know what their marketing is going to be like throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So, they, or like if there's like a movie coming out, they said, okay, this movie you should do product for, and this is the vehicle that's going to be prominent. So that they give us suggestions, and it's not only the licensors though; it's also the um, the buyers. The buyers will say, hey, this is a hot product. You should do this or. We're hearing a lot of chatter from different companies that this is the car that, that that you know should be on shelf. Why don't you guys go after this vehicle? Yes. So they they give us a lot of insight as from their uh, perspective, which is always good. Um, you know, it's it's crazy because uh, at SEMA recently we have guys who sell for to hobby market, and we have guys people who sell to uh, to the mass. And what the hobby market sees is totally different from the mass market. They, 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 the, the, what's popular for the two are totally different. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how, how much, how different it is. Cause, you know, one side they'll, you know, mass market, they like a lot of flames and detail. In the hobby market, they're, this guy's market, they said, oh, no, no flames, do, do solid colors. They're, that's what's selling for us. Mm. So it's, it's hard to figure out exactly what we want to do. But, you know, typically we'll lean towards the mass because that's, does the volume for us yes okay hmm. and are there any like you know um similarities in the feedback that you get from from you know say for example fans and partners or is it usually a totally different type of a contrast uh for the most part they're about the same yeah I mean, there there there's a lot of it that's similar um because i think you know a lot of the trends are dictated by the mass market but collectors, hardcore collectors, like their own thing, and I think they their little culture uh, dictates the trends within their market. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it it is different, but sometimes they do match, especially when there's like a, a an entertainment license coming out, like a like the next Fast and Furious movie, that will blanket collector and mass for sure. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'm glad. Well, like I'm glad that you brought up the collector aspect because you know um, i wanted to ask you know why is being a collector such a sacred practice so i think collectors have a emotional connection to whatever they're collecting okay so having that emotional connection connection makes them feel like it's their own they have some kind of part of it they feel uh kind of protective of it mm-hmm. so if you know you start to uh bad mouth the collector's items that they like then they become a little more like, you know, defensive about it because, you know, it's something that they either grow, grew up with or it's something that they're really into 
uh, emotionally. As, you know, some people are just like hardcore crazy that they just have to have everything of everything. Um, like hoarders, they just like can't let go of things. But I think there's, but even them, there's an emotional connection. And if you try to take that stuff away from them, they get really angry. So I think that that's that's kind of it's a hoarding mentality. I think with collectors, yeah, I, that's you know kind of what I think. I don't know if that is that the the question you're asking. Pretty much, pretty much, you know. Well, but you answered it, even though I didn't know know how to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I, I I see it. You know, it's almost like you know, and then it, once it gets too popular, you know, some collectors will shy away from it uh, because. It's, you know, it's almost like that, you know, oh, I like this underground band, but now they're too popular. And they, they don't like them anymore because they, they, it's, it's their own little thing that they thought they, they were the only ones that really were into it. But that's always been sort of a weird mentality to me. Yeah. You know, it's one thing, thing if they sell out and their music starts to suck. Yeah. Like, okay, bounce. But yeah. like, you know, if everybody likes them, but their music is still rock solid. Yeah, yeah. All right, then I'm sticking around. Yeah. Know? I mean, I think it's the thing that just people like, like to be the first on to market or you know just being the first one to do it like um like there's a shirt that i I thought was funny um i used to listen to hansen when they were underground (laughs) 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 that's pretty cool but imagine you know like if (laughs) if if hans like you know if you were into hansen before they became really popular yeah you know, and then then they gained the popularity. Then you kind of see, like, you know, people started making fun of them because they were so popular and the kind of music they were. And then you started to feel like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have been listening to these guys because you know the the general public doesn't really like them as a whole. Mm. You know, yeah. So well. they they become there's a stigma that is attached to getting really really popular. And when they were underground, you feel more. I mean, they, Hanson was never underground. But it was just a joke shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm just saying, using it as an example. You know, when they're underground, not as many people liked them, but the people who did like them were purely liked them because of what they were. Yes. Okay. And not yeah. influenced by outside people. Yeah. People like to feel exclusive. Yeah. They like to feel, you know, a part of a sacred club. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes these sacred clubs get really, really big, you know, like the Funko stuff. Like everyone loves those kind of, those things. And it's uh, it's, uh, it's they're they're doing a, a kick butt job at at you know feeding that line and and making all those collectors happy. Hmm. Well, I don't know a better place to end the <laughs> podcast than right there. Got <laughs> you good, Daryl? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll do, kill a whole it, mar- <laughs> we'll do a whole marketing thing next time. You know what? I no. mean, I mean, I do have have some extra questions, but but you know, but I know that people have work to do and stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm hungry. It's about what that time. time. Is it? Oh, oh, damn! It's twelve oh nine. Yeah. Jesus Christ! All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we have had to get out of here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. So that was episode fifteen of the JadaCast podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, subscribe, share it with a friend. Um, oh yeah, another thing, thing like I've been been slacking off on is um, our podcast needs a theme song. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about that. Yeah, so um, so if anybody out there is of the musical arts talent, we'll send or not, a, or not, <laughs> yeah, just send, send us, us over whatever you can do. Yeah, just, like, just send just us over a theme song song that you've made. I will personally give you credit every time time that it plays on our podcast as an intro for us, and um, we'll send it to us either in an Instagram or on Facebook, and um, you know it could be our intro and cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So um, 
we are the voice of of the toy industry, and we will see you next week. I'm Jordan. I'm Daryl. I'm Mike. And peace out. <laughs> <laughs> Sat there for like <laughs> half an hour. <laughs>